We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How's everybody living? It is Saturday, February 4th, 2023, uh, and we are back for another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast, back like we never left, and uh, I am excited for this episode uh, for a number of reasons, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. I put out a tweet asking for your guys' questions on Twitter, at Sports is where you can find me, important to lock in and follow me there. Um, but I put out a tweet asking for mailbag questions about Oregon football and Oregon recruiting. And I got a couple of responses, but what I'm going to do rather than doing kind of a rapid fire type of uh, show where I hit on a bunch of questions, I want to focus on a question in this episode and just really try to expand on it and take a deep dive into, you know, wherever this question takes us. Um, so uh, that being said, that's just kind of a little bit of a explainer disclaimer for what we're doing with this episode. And then, uh, I'm also back on my my usual microphone. I'm pre-recording this one. Maybe, uh, as you know, I was trying to. I've been battling some audio issues, so hopefully this is a little bit better. Maybe since it's not live, it'll, the audio will be a little bit cleaner. Um, but appreciate your guys' patience as I continue to experiment with that. Um, and then, last reminder before we get into it, um, you know, whether you're watching this on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus or listening to it on podcast do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, uh, follow the show, follow the Ducks Dish podcast, and share it with your friends, family, and other Duck fans. That is a huge support for the channel and what I'm doing covering the Oregon Ducks, and I greatly appreciate it. So today's episode comes from this one question. This comes from my guy Mark at Tweet on Mark on Twitter, and this is his question. Oregon did it again and took the top class in the pack. With a returning Knicks and good additions to the defense, it's hard to manage expectations. How are you managing yours? So that's an awesome question, and we can hit on a lot of different areas with this question. But let's go ahead and try try to dissect it. You know, let's see where it takes us. We can go, um, you know, hit on some position groups. We can look at the rest of the Pac-12. We can look at Oregon's schedule. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pull up Oregon's schedule right now so I can reference it um, as we go through the show. But yeah, so Oregon is is coming off a 10-win season in Dan's, Dan Lanning's first season as a head coach. Um, I think 10 wins as a in your debut as a head coach would be would and should be viewed as a success, right? 
at, at any program that you're at pretty much throughout the country. But as I've said a couple times, if you guys have been listening and following me for a while, this is an interesting situation with Oregon because Dan Lanning got hired to the, this is the university of Oregon, you know, Nike, you, you got all the resources, you got all the tools to be successful. So all that being said, the expectations are very high. Um, and the, the program wasn't, um, you know, wasn't in like a down stage or phase or anything, but the end of the 2021 season was really tough with Mario Cristobal's departure, the wheels totally falling off, just getting blown out by Utah, um, twice in three weeks. And then the Alamo bowl was, you know, a little bit encouraging because you got to see, you know, Joe Moorhead really, uh, you know, kind of do what he wanted to with the offense. And you saw some encouraging signs from the younger players like Troy Franklin is one that comes to mind, but the end of the season was, was a tough one for, for Oregon. So Dan Lanning gets hired and there's so much excitement around the program. Uh, he's able to salvage the top recruiting class in the pac 12, uh, on a incredibly condensed timeline. Um, so you have to give him some props for that. And then, you know, the season unfolds the way it does. You, you get drummed by Georgia, but pretty much everybody did. Uh, you know, they had a perfect season and went back to back national champions. So I think that, you know, you can only take so much from that Georgia game, but Oregon did lose some pretty close games that they definitely should have won. We're all obviously talking about Oregon state and Washington, uh, you know, as the, the season kind of wound down and then they're able to get a, a very close win over North Carolina to wrap up the 2022 season. And then once the season ended, uh, you had a couple of different things to tackle, right? You had Kenny Dillingham taking the job at Arizona State, so you had to find yourself a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Dan Lanning's able to go out and hire Will Stein from UTSA. Uh, and then your safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator leaves when Matt Pallage returns to Baylor, uh, going back to his home state of Texas to become the defensive coordinator for Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears and then Dan Lanning is able to respond by going out to get um, going out to get Chris Hampton from Tulane as his new co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. So that's a big addition, and it's already one he's uh, pretty excited about. Ducks even got a safety uh, since Hampton joined the staff with Tysheem Johnson coming over from Ole Miss. So nice for Hampton to get some recruiting momentum, and then. Just this past week, the Ducks kind of put a little bit, pretty much that finishing touch on their 2023 recruiting class, signing class, however you want to view it, with a huge recruiting win over USC by landing Roderick Pleasant, the top remaining defensive back in the country for 2023 and right from USC's backyard in Gardena, which is in the Los Angeles area. So now that they have the top class, like Mark's question was getting to, how do we manage expectations? I think there's a, a couple different ways you can take this. I think looking at Oregon's schedule, I'd say it's um, you know it's it's pretty favorable. You you start off with the spring game if you want to count that on April 29th. That's obviously a uh, an exciting update for fans and the program alike. Spring game will be on, be on Saturday, April 29th at 1 p.m. at Austin Stadium, and then you have a pretty easy non-conference schedule. Certainly a lot easier than last year, right? You have Portland State. Texas Tech and Hawaii, two of those three games coming at home. Oregon has, should, I think Oregon should uh, enter the start of the regular season and Pac-12 play at 3-0 and uh, with that game against Texas Tech out in Lubbock being, uh, you know, the most exciting non-conference game that they have. But that's a lot easier uh, than 
starting the season with Georgia and BYU. Um, so I think that you should expect a hot start for Oregon in 2023. Uh, but then starting the Pac-12 play with Colorado is is definitely a, an interesting and intriguing matchup, right? That's Deion Sanders' first game as a head coach at Colorado um, after getting hired by the Buffs. Tons of interesting additions, you know, dominant transfer portal class. A lot of former Jackson State players going over. Cormani McLean, a late flip from Miami um, as Deion Sanders gets a recruiting win over Mario Cristobal and the Canes pulling the top player out of the state of Florida. I think he was the top player out of the state of Florida. It might have been Keon Keeley, but that's a loaded state. Everybody knows that. But I think the uh, expectation for Oregon next year really should still be kind of what it has been. And I think the expectation for Oregon is a Pac-12 title appearance, Pac-12 championship appearance. You should be getting back to that game because Oregon's at a point right now that Pac-12 titles and Rose Bowl titles aren't enough. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I've said that a lot, but I think in order for Oregon to take that next step, they need to return to the playoff. And that's another thing we have to consider here is, you know, the playoffs going to expand to 12 teams before too long. So I feel like getting to the playoff is going to be less meaningful, but until that happens, I think that, you know, the 14 playoff 14 format, um, that's going to be Oregon's, you know, best opportunity to, to really make a statement by getting back to the PAC 12. So Oregon should, um, you know, they, they should have a, a really strong season. Um, but there are tough matchups on the schedule, right? You have to go out to Seattle to play Washington and what's always a heated rivalry game. You have to go out to Salt Lake City, Bryce Eccles Stadium to play the Utes. And then you also have um, you also have USC, Lincoln Riley and the Trojans coming up to Eugene for what could be their final game against Oregon as members of the Pac-12 conference before they go to the Big Ten in 2024. So there's a lot of interesting games here. And you also have... Oregon towards the end of the season hitting the road to Tempe to face Kenny Dillingham and the Arizona State Sun Devils, who in all reality could be led by Jaden Rashada, the uh, Elite 11 four-star quarterback in the 2023 class. He was being recruited by Oregon heavily, ended up committing to Miami, then flipped to the other program in Florida at the University of Florida and Billy Napier signs his letter of intent, gets released from his letter of intent, and then finally ends up in the Pac-12, back closer to home. Uh, his home is, of course, in the East Bay in California, um, and uh, it's just a, a crazy recruitment. So we could very well see Oregon going against uh, Jaden Rashada, but they also added Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer. So maybe it's not great to talk about. I don't want to go game by game and, and break all those down, but I think that although Oregon's schedule does have some challenging games, and I think the bye week comes fairly early versus last year when it came kind of middle of the season, um, I think that the pieces are still there for Oregon to have a, a really successful year and get back to the Pac-12 title game. I don't think that I don't think that any of Oregon's losses from last year's roster are so so impactful that they haven't addressed it through the 2023 recruiting class, whether that be, whether that be through the high school ranks or the transfer portal. I think the biggest loss from last year, um, the biggest single player loss from last year is, is probably Christian Gonzalez, right? I think most of us could agree 
that that's the biggest loss from Oregon's team last year. No Sewell was an awesome linebacker is an awesome linebacker in his own right. Um, but in terms of like one guy who really made a ton of difference on last year's team, particularly that defense for Tosh Lapoy and, and Dan Lanning, I, I think Christian Gonzalez is the guy that you're going to be missing the most. And he's got all the tools. He's got all the gifts to be that first round cornerback that, that Oregon hasn't had in, in quite a while. I think Mikel Wright was, was someone that had a lot of buzz when he got to Oregon. He was one of the top recruits in that 2019 class coming out of South, Southern California. Thomas Graham had a lot of buzz when he was going to the NFL. Uh, Deondre Lenore as well. So Christian Gonzalez has the chance to really elevate the DB culture at Oregon. And I think that when he goes to the NFL, he could be looked upon in a similar light as Javon Holland, who's, you know, I want to say an all pro safety, definitely one of the better safeties in the NFL right now for the Dolphins. Um, so Christian Gonzalez going to the NFL is only going to strengthen, I think, Oregon's uh, defensive back tradition. So Oregon needs to make up for that cornerback spot, right? They need to add some juice there. And they definitely attacked that, right? We're just past signing day. So we can talk a little bit here about how Oregon's 2023 recruiting class is helping fill some of those needs. You get Kyrie Jackson, who comes over from Alabama. Uh, I think he's definitely a, a high floor, at least right now, kind of player. Um, you know, you don't usually get guys out of the portal that commit to your school unless they are going to be, you know, playmakers, the guys that are going to, you know, make a difference for you next season. You know, you don't, you didn't transfer to sit on the bench is what I'm saying. So I think that Kyrie Jackson you know, is another lengthy corner. I want to say he's 6'2", 6'3". So kind of a similar mold to Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez was fast though. So I'm not sure if Kyrie Jackson has the same speed that Christian Gonzalez does but he's definitely someone that I think should be competing for a pretty, pretty significant role in that secondary. And then you also have just looking at other pieces uh, you have um, Triquez Bridges who comes back. Dante Manning, I think is, is looking like he's going to be taking that next step. Jaleel Florence too. Jaleel Florence, I think was one of the most highly regarded recruits in that 2022 class for Oregon. You'll remember that Dan Lanning was, winning that national championship and he was walking off the field after the win with Georgia and Jaleel Florence was his first call just, you know, recruiting for Oregon right after winning that national title. So he played a lot as a true freshman in 2022. And I think that he is ready to take that next step and Oregon's going to need him. But then look at all these other corners that they have coming in, in that 2023 class. Most of the safeties come back as of right now, it looks like all the safeties are coming back for Oregon, except for Bennett Williams. Uh, and Dan Lanning and company went out and added his brother, Evan Williams, from the transfer portal. So you're shoring up some of that depth in the secondary, bringing in some difference makers. You also have Taishim Johnson, who I mentioned earlier. So I think Oregon's feeling real confident about what the picture looks like at safety. I think that it's a little bit more open at cornerback, even though they have some pieces coming back, because let's be honest, the pieces that they have coming back were, were not playing to the level that Oregon wanted to be at. I, I'm, you know, I'm telling you that I think that they can take ne the next steps, but you've got to give yourselves options as a coaching staff. You know, that's why you're bringing in these guys, right? The, the saying goes something like, um, I, I was seeing this on, um, uh, shoot, what was it? It was Deion Sanders' documentary uh, on, on Amazon Prime or something, and he was saying, you know, um, basically paraphrasing here, but, you know, it's my job to recruit guys that are going to try to take your job. And that's exactly what Oregon did. I mean, look at how many corners that they signed in this 2023 class. You, you get Rod Pleasant, who's an Under Armour All-American, tons and tons of speed, playmaking skills. 
uh, a guy who can add return value as well. You have Cole Martin from Basha High School in Chandler, Arizona, the son of Demetrius Martin. He's already enrolled and on campus in Eugene, going through the weight training program and, and getting up to speed at the college level. And then you have Dalen Austin, who was a, a flip during the early signing period from uh, Long Beach Poly. Uh, they flipped him from LSU and a really big recruiting win. And then another guy that you also have, um, Solomon Davis. He's listed as an athlete, but he's going to be playing corner out of Covina, California, Charter Oak High School. He might be the sleeper in this class. Um, you know, I really enjoyed getting to talk with him and, and, and meet his coaches and uh, just learn more about him and, and his story. He's a guy who I think has a super, super high ceiling in this class. And you also can't forget about Colin Gill, who comes over from St. John's College in Washington, D.C. in that 2023 class. So I want to say that's one, two, three. Let's see. Let me, let me count this out. You got Colin, Solomon, um, Dalen, Roderick, and Cole Martin. So that's five and then six if you if you add Kyrie Jackson into the mix as well. So Oregon's doing a really good job by at least just getting more bodies in that room because you just want to give yourself opportunities to, to have more guys that can, can impact uh, your defense. So I think with all those guys that they added, the guys coming back, the staff and scheme continuity, I think that's another big part of this equation for the defense. But maybe particularly more so for the pass defense for Oregon is that you're having some consistency there. Um, you know, there's been a lot of defensive coordinators that have um, come through, uh, come through Oregon lately. So uh, it helps that you have Tosh Lapoy coming back and you have Dan Lane there to, to, to help as well. And you'll leave his mark on that defense. And then there's also some good pass rushers that Oregon added. They added so many edge rushers in this class. Jordan Birch is the headliner from the transfer portal coming over from South Carolina, coming over from the SEC. You have Mateo Uyunglele, an Adidas All-American edge rusher from the national champion St. John Bosco Braves. He's already on campus enrolled in that weight program. I know the staff is super excited about what he has to offer. Um, and then Tatum Tuioti is another piece along the edge. So I think – with all the pieces that you have coming back on that front seven, spe specifically along that front defensive line, Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers, Popo Amavai. Um, you just, you have guys, Keon Ware Hudson, all that experience combined with this, these new additions. I think it really makes me feel confident that Oregon's going to be able to have one of, if not the best defensive lines in the Pac-12, and we're talking run defense and we're talking pass defense. I think that obviously the biggest area that Oregon has to grow right now on defense is in that pass rush, is in that pass defense with their secondary, locking down the passing lanes, being sticky in coverage, making plays, forcing turnovers. And we already know that this front group knows, front seven knows how to defend the run. You lose Noah Sewell, who is one of the best run defenders on that team, that's not going to be an easy loss to make up for necessarily because Noah Sewell is just a, a special type of talent in that regard. But all those defensive linemen almost are coming back next year. So they know what they're doing. They can take it up another notch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I think at linebacker, you have a little bit more unknown there, right? Noah Sewell leaves, Jackson LaDuke leaves, uh, Brandon Buckner is another guy who left. Uh, he didn't play a whole lot at Oregon, but I'm just trying to think about kind of what that room is looking like with some of the change that you saw there. Jeff Boss is coming back. I'm kind of curious if they want to keep him at linebacker. Uh, I think he kind of had a little bit of an up and down year, but I remember Dan Lanning was really excited about kind of his fit as a really fast, physical um, you know, defender originally coming to Oregon as a safety. Um, but maybe he takes a step forward uh, in his third year now at linebacker. And then the big addition that they made there was Justin Jacobs, the linebacker transfer from Iowa. Um, he's someone that I think has a whole lot of potential and someone who can really help make up for the loss of Noah Sewell and then also elevate the room in terms of the pass coverage because that was an area that Oregon was really getting just shredded, you know, over the middle. And there's a lot of really talented tight ends and running backs that you're going to have to match up with in the Pac-12. So bringing in a guy like Justin Jacobs, I think really helps just take your defense to the next level and give them a, a passing defense that's not so easily picked apart, which we saw so many times last year. Um, and then you also have Connor Soley, who comes in from Arizona State. I think he's a guy who who could also help kind of just shore up the pass defense. He was recruited, uh, or I want to say he played some safety in high school, but he played linebacker at Arizona State. So you know that he's a guy who can move maybe a little bit, I don't want to say undersized, but not your typical frame at linebacker. And maybe he flies around a whole lot. And then look at some of the pieces coming back. I think the real story of guys coming back in that Oregon line rack, linebacker room, excuse me, it's Keith Brown. Keith Brown was an All-American in that 2021 class uh, out of Lebanon, Lebanon, um, and he might have been Oregon's best defender in the Holiday Bowl. So there's a lot of pieces in terms of just combining, I think, across the board, but we're talking about linebacker. I think that was one of the more uncertain rooms for Oregon last year, and then after the transfer portal, the waves of departures, I think it's still uh, a little bit of an unknown right now just because we have to see how those guys gel, right? We have to see how they play to each other's strengths. What kind of a rotation do they have? You know, are they able to stick with the same group or do they need to bring a bunch of other guys in to kind of fill things out? And I mean, I tried to say it at the beginning of the episode, but again, managing expectations right now, we could probably do another video, you know, revisiting this uh, at the end of, um, at the end of spring ball. So, so much can happen between now and then. I mean, I think we'll probably see, some more transfers after the conclusion of spring football, because we know that Oregon's still over the scholarship limit. I wanted to say they were around the low nineties the last time I, I saw. Um, so we kind of have to continue to evaluate and, and see where that's all at. Um, so we, I think we hit on all three levels on, um, on the defense. I think that 
just to go back and wrap it up at, at safety, I think that's a group that has a ton of potential because it looks like Brian Addison's coming back. He was one of the best safeties for Oregon last year. Jamal Hill, Steve Stevens. Uh, you also have some younger safeties that maybe want to get there, maybe going to be in the mix. Trajan Williams from the 2022 class. Um, we got to see where Kamari Terrell is going to line up. I think he mainly played corner last year, but he was another guy in 2022 along with Trajan Williams. Trajan Williams from the state of Oregon, so always good to have some of those in-state guys, you know, live out their dream to be a duck and then get to represent the state, kind of just a different deal for them. And then you have Tyler Turner coming over from the state of Texas. He's already enrolled at Oregon. And then Cody DeCambra from Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. He was another All-American guy, um, you know, really good ball skills, hard hitter, someone who's not afraid to tackle. And I think that you definitely need that in your secondary because you you don't want any plays getting past those guys, right? That's your last line of defense. So another spot right there at safety that I think has a lot of really good proven guys and then bringing in Evan Williams and bringing in Tysheem Johnson, depending on where they end up fitting in that defense, they might push for, I mean, they're, they're probably going to be heavily in the mix right away. And who, who knows how much we'll maybe see of some of those returners at Oregon all depends on how that rotation shakes out. And like I said, and I want to keep saying so much can happen between now and and the start of the season between now and you know spring football. So we have to see how that all shakes out. But that was all defense. Let's switch sides of the ball and hit on the offense and how we're managing expectations for Oregon there in 2023. I think the Oregon offense is under a lot of pressure in 2023. And I'm going to tell you why. This is why. Kenny Dillingham comes to Oregon as one of the youngest coaches in the country comes to Oregon, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people feel like the only way to go is up because that offense was so stale, so run heavy uh, during the Mario Cristobal years. I mean, I'm sure that fans just get frustrated thinking, wow, that's what our offense looked like when, when Justin Herbert was the quarterback and now he's just killing it in the NFL. But Kenny Dillingham comes to Oregon, has some doubters and just lights it up. I mean, for as good as Christian Gonzalez did as a one-and-done transfer cornerback, you could say the same thing about Kenny Dillingham. I don't think Kenny Dillingham's one year in Eugene could have gone a whole lot better. I mean, maybe Bo Nix doesn't get hurt, okay? We'll say we'll, we'll acknowledge that. Maybe they, he doesn't get hurt on that play call on the, on the QB draw against Washington, and then maybe Oregon's able to hang on and win that game. And then maybe they win the Oregon State game. Okay, we'll just get that out of the way. But just when you look at all the other areas where Oregon's offense just really took it to a new level, I mean, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington come in studs. That running back room, loaded. Best in the Pac-12. Absolutely loaded. The run game's dominant. Uh, they're able to to mix tempo with with hurry up and, and you know maybe slowing things down a little bit. I mean, they had that long drive against Washington, right? That's kind of what I'm talking about. Like just there were so many things. Bo Nix was taking care of the ball, um, which was what so many people were worried about when he got to Oregon. He was in the Heisman conversation at one point. I mean, just the the offensive line was phenomenal. The tight ends were involved. Troy Franklin was a was a dog and just destroying Pac-12 secondaries. Everything was going well, and now he's gone. So Oregon fans are like, we got a year of that, and and what's going to happen with our offense now? Well, you go out and you get another up-and-coming mind in Will Stein, who comes over from UTSA, who had um, a really, really solid offense in, in his own right. Um, and I think there's a lot of reason to be confident in Will Stein. You know, I want to I want to dig into him more and learn more about him and you know, kind of his journey 
coming from Texas. Um, we all know how much football means in Texas, but I think that when you have a guy who's an up and comer, a young guy, I think someone who's maybe more open to change and is, is able to find creative ways to get guys the ball. I feel like he's a hire that makes me think that they're going to be able to kind of keep some of that juice, keep some of that lightning in a bottle that they got from the Kenny Dillingham offense last year. And, have some continuity from a schematic standpoint, just because Dillingham is gone doesn't mean you have to make all these drastic changes. You know, of course Stein's going to want to input his offense, but everybody else almost, you know, you have Vianney tell who became the, the new offensive line coach at NAU, but for the most part, almost everybody on that offensive staff is coming back for another year. Um, you know, junior Adams really helped elevate the wide receiver room, bringing in some really, really talented wideouts. I'm looking at jury on Dickey. I'm looking at Ashton Cozart. Who's already there. I'm looking at Trayshawn Holden who transfers from Alabama. I mean, that group should, and then Chris Hudson, who's back, uh, they lose chase Coda and seven McGee, Dante Thornton. But like I said, they did a really good job bringing in some guys there and addressing that need at wide receiver to continue producing elite offenses. Um, so I think that, you have some of that continuity from the staff that's going to help just kind of keep keep this thing going, right? Just because you lost your offensive coordinator doesn't mean you need to take a big step back. Um, you know, Adrian Clem did interview for the Patriots, um, with the Patriots, I should say, but Dan Lanning said he doesn't anticipate any other changes to the coaching staff. So he should be back for, uh, for 2023 is at least what it's looking like. So that offensive line should be solid. Even though you lose a lot, a lot of guys along that offensive line, we can't gloss over that. But I said this last year, I don't know if you guys remember, I'd never want anybody to be hurt. It's never a good thing for anybody to be hurt. But I was kind of along the line saying that Stephen Jones's injury may have been a blessing in disguise because it could have helped him because he missed so much time. It could have helped, you know, sell him to come back to Oregon for another year. And he's coming back. Stephen Jones is coming back. Jackson Powers Johnson is coming back. Marcus Harper is coming back, who filled in for Stephen Jones so, so effectively last year. I'm a big Marcus Harper fan. You lose vets, Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, Sala, TJ Bass. All those guys are gone, but you have some of those guys that I just mentioned, and then you have two really solid transfers coming in at the offensive line. Johnny Cornelius out of uh, Rhode Island, he was arguably the top offensive tackle um, in the transfer portal. You have Junior Engelau, who comes over from Texas. He's probably going to help you out more on the interior. He played a ton of football in Austin, even though he, I believe, missed most, if not all, of the 2022 season with injury. Both those guys are already in Eugene. You know they're fired up to get that uh, offensive line up and running and humming and just ready to dominate. And then all those running backs come back from last year. Um, you know, the ones that really contributed a whole lot. Byron Carbell goes to Cal. Sean Dollars goes to Nevada to reunite with Ken Wilson, a former Oregon linebacker coach. And then Carlos Lachlan added Dante Dowdell, big time running back, Mr. Football in the state of Mississippi. And then they also add Jaden Lamar who they flipped from Notre Dame during the early signing period and a big recruiting win. So the running backs are just going to be loaded again. Bucky Irvin and Noah Whittington are both back. Jordan James is looking to take that next step. The question mark, I think, a little bit on the offense is at tight end. Um, and I wrote about Deuce Robinson being a guy you got to watch out for in the 2023 class for Oregon. He's the top uncommitted and unsigned player in 2023. And Oregon looks like they're going to be one of the final schools still involved Maybe they can get him out to campus and, you know, shake things up in that recruitment. But it's looking like Georgia, maybe USC looking in with an outside shot. So after you lose Cam McCormick and Maliki Matavau, you only have Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert coming back from last year. You add Kenyon Sadiq from the 2023 recruiting class. 
So you're kind of a, you're a little bit, I don't want to say shallower, but you're not as deep as you want to be at tight end. So maybe we see Oregon go get another tight end or two to kind of shore up that room. And then you have Bo Nix coming back, who's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. He's comfortable in Eugene. He dominated. He's looking to stay hot from last year. So I think that the expectations for Oregon, you you have you feel really good about. I think every group. I don't think there's one group that necessarily you know gives you a lot of fits. I think corner is the one that I'm the most curious about because you lose Christian Gonzalez and you have some guys that are coming back, but I don't think that they've necessarily achieved to the level that you want them to, or that they wanted to, but you add some solid pieces there to try to elevate that room. So I think the expectations, you just kind of got to take it in stride. They should start really hot in 2023. Like I said, they should be three and O entering PAC 12 play, but uh, I mean, Deion Sanders in Colorado, maybe they present a challenge. I mean, they're going to be a lot better than they were recently, right? You got Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, Cormani McClain, just to name a few. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be beating Oregon in that game, but they could give you a little bit of a challenge. And then the Washington rivalry game, that's going to be tough, but I think they should be able to win that one. That was an awesome game against Michael Penix last year. And then you have Penix back. And then you have Utah and Cam Rising in Salt Lake City. That's going to be super hard. And then you have Caleb Williams coming to Eugene with the USC Trojans. I bet fans love that they're getting that game at home. So I think that Oregon, you know, going into this season, they they should absolutely be viewed as, as Pac-12 contenders. And if they can take care of their business in the Pac-12, then they should be able to, um, you know, be in contention for a playoff spot. Um, I think that that's really where it's at, even though there is a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, new faces on the roster, a couple of new coaches, but in the era of the transfer portal and, and where we're at, I think Oregon's reloading pretty well. Um, you know, you got to see how some of those additions pan out. Not everyone's going to be, you know, a match made in heaven. Uh, that's just not realistic. But if you look at what Oregon did last year, adding pieces in the transfer portal and how those guys did, I think there's a lot of reason to be confident in Dan Lenny and his coaching staff and identifying those transfers, getting them to Eugene and making them in developing them into difference makers for the ducks. So, you know, I don't want to come off like a Homer by any means. I'm, I'm trying to learn to be more critical and be neutral. Um, but just telling it how I see it, I think, you know, until we see the first game, obviously things can change a lot. Spring football can tell us a lot, but there's a reason to be a very, very confident with your expectations for Oregon football in 2023, but it's kind of, you know, an evolving situation and you got to be able to take the changes and challenges in stride. But to answer the question in this one, I think that you can manage your expectations. Your expectations should be very, very confident for Oregon football in 2023. They should be in the driver's seat to contend for the PAC 12 and they should really be able to uh they should be able to put themselves in the position to get back to the playoff i'm not going to say right now in february they're going to get back to the playoff i'm not saying that but they should be able to get themselves back to the playoff and be in that conversation given the roster given the coaches given the momentum that they have and how the schedule shakes out schedule is not super easy but there are some areas where you can kind of catch some breaks but That'll do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.